Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. In religion, there is often a difficulty between the form and the spirit. And there are those who are very much in the spirit, and there are those who are very much in the form. And the ones who believe very, very strongly in the form see the ones in the spirit as apostates or heretics. They see them as a danger to their well-thought-out world that they've put together and that they've described and that they've given rules and regulations to. I was recently in uh, Turkey giving a series of talks and in talking privately to a number of people their concern was that they wanted a return to the time of the prophet they wanted to be able to do things the way they were done at the time of the prophet and they were trying to figure out how to do that and they were trying to imitate what went on then in the best way that they could however it was problematic for them they saw all the difficulties in Islam right now and they were quick to blame it on the fact that people were no longer following the way of the Prophet but they didn't seem to be able to grasp what the way of the Prophet was they didn't seem to be able to grasp what it was that was different about that time and this time and how to integrate that time into this time and most of their efforts uh, to do that involved formulistic sorts of things like why do we have five different uh, macabres why can't we just have one that existed at the time of the prophet why do we raise our hands this way and some raise their hands that way all kinds of things that had to do with a ritualistic method of prayer a ritualistic method of getting out of bed a ritualistic method of putting your clothes on in an attempt to imitate what went on then well the point is that it's not like that and then one night uh, I started a talk and the following came out Uh, I asked the question what was the most unique thing about the time of the prophet and the answer is the prophet (laughs) and everybody seems 
to bypass that. What is self-evident becomes not evident at all. It's like having the truth in front of you, but it's hidden from you somehow because you can't see it. So if the prophet was the most unique thing about the time of the prophet, how can you possibly recreate the time of the prophet without the prophet? How can you possibly go back to what was going on there without him? And all of the sects that want to reinstitute all of the mechanical things that went on at the time of the prophet are missing the major point that needs to be um, brought out. Now, what does that mean? Well, when Aisha was asked to describe the prophet, she said he was a walking Quran. So now a lot of people uh, in Islam, Orthodox, uh, believe that they should memorize the Quran. And that way they will become walking Qurans. It's an interesting concept. I was actually surprised that these same people don't take pages from the Quran and stick them on themselves. Because to me, that's not a lot different than memorizing it. Uh, and I'm really surprised they haven't made tobas or jibbas or whatever you want to call them out of parchment with the Quran written on them so they could wear them. And then they too could be walking Qurans. The point is that people have the inability to grasp spirituality so they grasp at form and they try to imitate form. What needs to be done is to have a voice within the community that is like the voice of the prophet. Now, there is, there are no more prophets given. What the prophet did was not only be the voice of Allah within the community, he also brought a form to contain that spirit and contain that voice. He brought the flower pot for the rose. Now, what we need to understand is the flower pot is less important than the rose, but we also need a flower pot. However, if the entire focus is on the pot, what happens to the rose? It shrivels and dies, and people are carrying around a flower pot, calling it a flower. And a flower pot is not a flower. And somehow, somehow, we need to realize this. Now, since the prophet passed, there have been no more prophets, but there have been men who the Spirit of Allah came through and were able to communicate that resonance, that Spirit, to the community. The people in form, deeply entrenched in form, will absolutely deny the reality of that existence. And that's one of the problems between form and spirituality. 
People in form need control. People in form need definitions. And since God can't be defined, they spend their time defining what they can, which is how you should act. And what you should do. And what women should wear. And how women should act. So, without going back and finding the voices that are reality, we can't imitate the time of the prophet. Now, in our experience, we were with a teacher who resonated the sound of Allah. And we heard it, and we saw it with our eyes. So we knew that it was possible in order for that to occur, for there to be a community where within the community there was a resonance of the sound of Allah that brought forth instruction to the community as to how to act. And without that, you can't have a community that was like the community at the time of the Prophet because you're missing that correct, that direct connection. Now, the next question that comes is, what do you do in these situations? What happens if you're in a community that worships the pot? What do you do if you're in a community that doesn't nurture the flower? Well, what you do is try to find the community that has a flower in the community. Or become a flower. Now, if we're all going to depend on other people to be the flower, then <laughs> there probably aren't enough flowers to go around. So we all have to understand that the point of all of this is to become the rose, to somehow each of us become the rose. Each of us understand that the relationship with Allah is possible and meant to be and he created us for that reason. He created us so that he could know himself. If he created us so that he could know himself, who is it that we're supposed to know? We are the mystery with Allah, within Allah, and Allah is the mystery within us. If more people had a handle on this and weren't afraid of it, the world would become a much more peaceful place. Because what happens with form is it clashes with other forms. And when forms clash, something breaks. If everybody runs their pots against each other, somebody's pot's going to break. And there's going to be a disaster. And right now, we're dealing with a lot of disasters. People argue whether you should stand praying, holding your hands together in front of you, or down by your side. People argue whether you should do at Ramadan 8 Tarawiyah prayers, or 20 Tarawiyah prayers. People argue 
whether your beard should be a certain length or longer. People argue about how women should cover their heads or cover their bodies or cover their faces. Nowhere in the Quran or in the Hadith does it speak about people going to heaven because of the length of their beards or the way they hold their hands in prayer. But there are references to people being promised heaven for different kinds of things. There's a, uh, a hadith where a man was promised heaven because he removed a thorn bush from the road. There is a, there's a hadith about where a woman was promised heaven, a prostitute who saw a dog dying of thirst and she took off her shoe, put it down the well, got some water and gave the dog water and saved his life. There are hadith that talk in this way. There's also a direct reference in the Quran in Baqarah that says it's not whether you pray to the east and the west, it's whether you feed the poor, uh, take care of the orphans, marry, marry off uh, the, 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 the orphan girls, etc. as to good deeds. Now, does this mean that we abandon the Sharia? Of course it doesn't. But what it means is you have to rise to another level. And you have to understand that Islam is a middle path not meant for haggling over minuscule things. There's a, a, a section of the Quran where they talk about uh, the instructions to kill a heifer. And then uh, they ask, uh, what size should this heifer be? What age should this heifer be? What color hair should this heifer have? How many, how many strands of this can it have? And, how, be, and finally, they got to the point where they got one to kill, but it was very hard to find. If they would have just killed one to begin with, it would have been done. Now, Islam is getting into the same kind of haggling. And the Prophet has said, those who haggle over minuscule things become lost. What's happened to that understanding? What's happened to that ability to go through life and allow people to go their own way? What's made us think that Allah needs us to enforce His law? Who are we did he say, I've created you as the enforcers? Or did he say something else? Did he say towards us, in, are there direct commands that you should go out and enforce my laws? It's, 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 it's an interesting difficulty. And to those who've been involved in Sufism, it's apparent and easily visible. To those not involved in Sufism, it's not apparent. And it has to do with the following. It has to do with the inability to believe that Allah is still sending His messages to this earth. That Allah is still speaking through people. That Allah is still in touch with us. Now, do we truly believe that the last time any, any understanding of Allah was given was at the time of the Prophet? Did it just stop? Who was Mevlana? 
Who was Shem's? Who were all of, who was Ibn Arabi? Who was Abdul Qadir Jalani? How did these people come about? How did they get into the world to tell people how to do things? Where did their inspiration come from? If you've read their books, they tell you it came from Allah. It came directly from Allah. And Allah told them what to say. We need to believe in the fact that the breath of Allah has not stopped coming into the world. When we were created, we were a handful of clay, and Allah blew his breath into that handful of clay, and that made Adam. So Adam was clay and the breath. Our religion has to be clay and the breath. We have to recognize the breath, and we have to recognize that that breath has come into every being. Every one of us has had that breath blown into us. And that breath is connected to our Creator. And that breath is capable of resonating what blew it into Him. It's capable of resonating our Creator. This concept needs to be held on to and this concept needs to be spread as people stop believing that as people stop believing that there is still resonance in this world the f the ones involved in the form are going to become stronger and stronger and stronger and everyone who defines things differently is going to begin to clash with each other we have to know this, we have to know what causes it, we have to know why it's caused, how it's caused, and what does it. Uh, because of that, we have to understand how it occurs and what will bring us into alignment with the truth. When we understand this, our life will become easier. Involved in this is the tolerance that comes with spirituality. Uh, when there's no form, all of the things associated with form are much easier to handle. Uh, we don't get as attached to or influenced by that which is the form. We don't take so much pleasure from it. We don't take so much <clears throat> import from it. It doesn't become the purpose of our existence anymore because we know that it is limited and how it's limited. And until we believe in the limitations of the form and the fact that our connection to it has very little influence on our being um, we're going to be in trouble as individuals and we're going to have all of the difficulty 
that comes with dealing with the form because you're never going to get it exactly right. There's always going to be something out of place, something wrong, something that needs to be altered, and something that needs to be changed. For instance, rich men never have enough money. Poor men never have enough money. Uh, people constantly are striving to repeat the same thing over and over and over as if somehow it was going to affect them differently the next time they did it. And why? Because they don't know anywhere else to go. They don't know about the Spirit and they don't know about the availability of the Spirit and they haven't seen the Spirit available. And once that recognition comes and they turn from the form, then a difference can begin to occur inside of them. Do we believe that we are this body and that's all there is to us? Many people do. If we believe that that's all we are, then that's as high as we're going to go. Our belief system, our imagination, sets in place our capabilities. We have to alter our belief structure and we have to alter it radically. As it alters, it opens up additional space for us. Um, faith is an interesting thing. Uh, Rumi said, Mevlana, be the same on the inside as you are on the outside. So many of us can profess to believe in the spirit, but we're really bound by the world. We need to begin to understand how to believe in the spirit and be released from the world. And this release from the world means to us individually that we're not upset by what the world hands us. That if our cup is full, we say all praises to God. If our cup is half full, we say all praises to God. And if our cup is empty, we say all praises to God. Because the amount we have in our cup does not define who we are. It's a jump in belief systems. And it's not something that happens overnight. Year after year after year, faith grows. And we become more and more attuned to the spirit within us and to the resonance of Allah that is all over the world. If our ears are open, we can hear that resonance daily. If our eyes are open, we can see that resonance. If our nose is open, we can gather the scent of that uh, resonance. We have to be able to tune ourselves into that resonance. To do that, we have to create quiet time in our life where all of the static of the world is removed from us for a while. A gathering like this 
is a removal of that static. Gathering like this is a focus on the truth. And as we focus, uh, all of that which bothers us fades from us and falls away. The form falls away. That's why we talk about the great beings who came before, because they're example of the form falling away. And that's why we talk about the uh, stories from the various scriptures, because they explain how the form falls away. So within the form, because we are within the form, and within the ritualistic necessities of each religion, we also have to understand that the most important thing is the spirit, and the focus has to be on that. May that be made clear to all of us, opened up to all of us, and shown to all of us. Amen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hi. Hi,